Um, so as we were worshiping, I just saw the cars driving past, and you could see that they could hear the noise. They kept looking up into us. So we're making a joyful noise unto the Lord that even the people on the beach are hearing. And I loved, yes, man, I tell you, God is so good. It felt like he was giving us an input of joy this morning. I was looking at Carrot, and he's just smiling the whole time, and you could see he's just enjoying his time with the Lord. And um, really felt like he's blessed us just with a portion of joy. So thanks, Albert, and your team. You did really well. This morning, I kind of feel like I am a dad that's taking his kids for an inoculation. <laughs> that, you know, sometimes you know when you've got little kids and they need to go and get that little inoculation, you know for a while that kid's going to cry. And you know for a while it's going to hurt. But ultimately, it's for their good. And um, this week, as I was just processing with the Lord what he was wanting to say to us as a people, please also understand that what he's saying is he's saying to the church. So um, if you've been to a doctor lately, you know how it works. You arrive at the doctor's room with room to spare. He makes you wait 20 minutes past your appointment time, then invites you to come and sit at his table. And then he has you unpack your symptoms. And you'll tell him what's wrong with you. And then, you know, he'll say to you, okay, go and sit on my little bed there. And he'll check your heart and your ears and your mouth and all the rest of those things. And then he'll sit you back down and he'll tell you what your symptoms are. And he'll tell them what the, the sickness is that's associated with that. And then he's going to prescribe some medicine. And generally, if he's done a good job of diagnosing and he gives you the right kind of medicine, you're actually going to feel better in a couple of days. So this morning, the role I'm playing is something of the anti-doctor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some symptoms. And then from there, you're going to self-diagnose. So you're going to take what's applicable and you're going to reject what's not. And perhaps I'm going to help some of you who are sick without knowing it to come into a place of health. Is that okay? So I'm going to ask you to come with me. I'm going to ask you to trust me for the visitors. You perhaps don't know me and you might think, geez, who's this guy to be talking to us in this way? But I hope that you'll hear the voice of the Lord in this. So what if I told you that you could actually position yourself to have God fight against you. Would you believe me? Do you think God can fight against you? So if I tell you that, the first thing you're probably going to start thinking about is you're going to be going, well, no, 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 hold on. That's not the Jesus that I know. And you might think of, of scriptures like this. And I want you to remember these scriptures because we're going to circle back to them. But let's go to Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Mighty, it's a powerful scripture. It's great. Deuteronomy 3, 22. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God will fight for you. And Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you and against your enemies to give you victory. These are good scriptures. These are solid scriptures. It's the word of God and we must hold on to these. And when we get into times of struggle and strife and it feels like all of hell has been released against us, we stick to these words. And we know that our victory comes not from our human effort and, and, and our human thing, way of doing things, but actually it comes from God himself. But I want to just take you to the opposite of that now. Where we as human beings, we as believers, 
can actually position ourselves in a way that God actually has to fight against us. And the reason I'm telling you this is so that we can stop. Because I want to tell you something. I certainly do not want to be in a position where I'm sitting and God's fighting against me. Because that's a fight you're not going to win. So let's have a look at, the, uh, let's just have a look at some scripture here quickly, which I'm going to use to try and point out to you some of the behaviors that we could be entering into that are causing God to fight against us. So let's have a look at James 4. I'm going to use scripture because if you don't believe me, I'm hoping you're going to believe the word of God, right? So it says, what causes quarrels, fights and quarrels amongst you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You covet, you kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Guilty. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hatred towards God? Another, con another, another uh, translation says enmity with God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes what? An enemy of God. And what do we do with our enemies? We fight them. Otherwise, they're not an enemy. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that it is the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God, what? Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Can God fight against us? I think he can. And when we have a look at that last scripture there that says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Greek word is antitasso. I'm sorry to any of my Greek guys if I butchered the pronunciation. I'm sorry about that. But the, but the meaning of that means that God resists or God sets himself against the proud. He's fighting against you. When you are operating out of a place of pride in your heart, he fights against you. And my hope today is that as we read this together, that we would put ourselves back into a position where God actually goes, no, 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 I will fight for you, not against you. And you might think, but hold on, this is actually written to, this must be written to unbelievers. They don't know the ways of God. You know, they don't, they, they're resisting God, so he's resisting them. But if we actually have a look at the context of this, this letter written by James, he's actually writing, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. It's an apostolic letter that's written to the church en masse. And it's as applicable to us today as it was back then. And it's interesting to me that he says, God opposes the proud. So if I have to say to you, what does a proud person look like? You're probably going to say it's a person that's got a big house, that lives on the mountains, driving five cars, has a, you know, has a very um, successful business. And when he walks around, his chest is out and he's like, kind of like, guys, who are you? This is who I am. Look how good I am at everything I do. And I suppose that is true. That can be pride. But there's also a more subtle pride that often hides itself in our lives. And we don't think that it looks like that. But from the outside, it is. And that can be simply 
I come into church, I come into my workplace, I walk into the shop, and I see somebody that perhaps doesn't have quite what I have at any level. He's not the same color as me, he doesn't wear the same clothes as me, he doesn't think like I do, he doesn't have the same social standing as I do, maybe he stinks a little bit from living on the streets, and something in me goes, I'm better than that. I'm better than that person. He doesn't deserve to be around me. It might be that you're actually positioning yourself in a place of pride because you think you're more important than that person that God actually died, sent his son to die for. It's a sly little pride that, eh? And if we're honest, most of us in this room can say that you've done that. Maybe you did it this morning. And I'm not fighting with anyone today. I'm positioning something with you. And we're family here largely, so I know you guys will receive from me. The other side of pride is when you need help and you don't ask. In fact, you have a look at the scripture there. It says you have not because you ask not. You need help, but you don't ask. No, 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 no. I, I'm not going to ask. People should see my position, man. Surely the guys know I don't have a job. Why isn't the church reaching out to me? Why aren't they looking after me? Don't they see how I'm struggling? And the Lord says that he opposes the proud. That's pride. He opposes the proud, but he what? He gives grace to the humble. So as you position yourself within your community group, within the, the relationships that God's, God has given you as humble, and you go to your community leader and you say, hey man, listen, it's really hard for me to do this but I'm actually just struggling at the moment. I need prayer, or I need this, or I need that, or whatever the case may be. That's what the fellowship of believers is about. That's why we call ourselves family. If my children are in my home and they need something to eat, believe me, they are not too proud to come and ask me. Connor asked me five times a day. He'll have five slices of bread after supper. When we're in a family of believers, we are not afraid to ask for help. And you know what? We're also okay when help doesn't come. Because we can't always do everything for everybody. Does this make sense? It's a subtle pride. It's not overt. It doesn't look like it's hurting. But when you need something from God, ask Him. No, 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 I can't ask God. I can't pray for that. I can't pray for my healing. I can't pray for my breakthrough. I can't pray for this thing. Because I'm, you know, as whom I. You see, pride can also look like humility. Ah, you know, I'm too humble to ask for help. You know, I'll, oh, no, 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 it's, it's okay. It's me and God, we're going to do this thing. And it's pride. And it's positioning you where God is actually going, I'm going to fight against, I'm going to oppose that thing. I will resist and set myself against you. Because you are actually operating out of a place of pride. And I sit here and I think to myself, yes, Lord, can you not just give me a message that makes everybody feel great? So that everyone walks out here and goes, I'm more than a conqueror and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I actually believe that the time that we're in on the earth, God is calling a remnant back to him that is holy and set apart and righteous. And that he wants us to be pure. And actually the reason that he's, I'm sharing this, and the reason he's sharing this is because he doesn't want to fight against you. What father wants to fight with his son? 
I don't look for opportunities to scold and to rebuke, can I? That would be whack. It would be broken. That's not what I do. I look for opportunities to build him up, to set him right. And if I know he's going into a place that's going to cause him issues, am I not going to lovingly pull him back? So see what God is doing this morning. Don't lose the message. The second thing we can do to create conflict with the Lord is we quarrel and we fight and we covet. And I want to tell you, God's not amused when we squabble. He's not amused when we have our little tiffs and fight with each other and argue. He's not amused when you look at something that somebody else has and wants it in an unhealthy way. He doesn't find that funny. I want to tell you that the world and the narrative that most of us are getting fed day to day is what? Have your say, man. Stand up for what you believe in. And if other people don't listen, well, to hell with them, I'll cancel you. You don't exist in my life anymore. You don't listen to my opinion. I have my rights. How many times have you seen that? How many times have you heard that? I have my rights. Can I tell you something? If you are a Bible-believing Christian in this house today, you are dead. You died. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you died. The moment you went through the water and got baptized, you laid down the old man. And you were risen with Christ. And who am I to give you a piece of my mind because I differ from your opinion? So we quarrel and we fight. You don't have to go far. Look on Facebook. Look on Facebook. Man, I saw someone put up a thing and it's a joke and he said, it's just a picture of a stick. He said, I'm going to put this picture of a stick up just to show that someone could cause a fight. And the first person came back and said, it's not a stick, it's a branch. (laughs) It was a joke. But that's the kind of thing. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's got something that they need to say. Everybody wants to make sure that my opinion is heard. Can I tell you, unless it's opinion on the things of God, actually your opinion doesn't need to be heard. Because you know what? They say that opinions are like bums. Everybody's got one. And everyone thinks theirs doesn't stink. I'm going to give that time to sink in there. Guys, be light with your opinions. Be kind to each other. It says you fight because of your passions are at war in you. The passions that it's talking about is that you are so passionate about the things of the world that you'd forsake the passion of the church. You'd forsake the passion of Jesus. What is the passion of Jesus? Every single person sitting here. If I want to fight with Andres because Andres is a Blue Bull supporter and I'm a Shark supporter, and it creates enmity that I can't even sit around the table with him where he wears his jersey, the passion of the world is breaking down the passion of church. It's breaking down the passion of Christ because I must love him despite the fact that he likes the Bulls. It's okay, bro. And am I saying that you shouldn't have an opinion at all? That, that you must just accept everything that everybody says all the time and become this mechanical robot that just says yes or no to anything you say to it? No, I'm not saying that. But pick your battles. If it's godly, if it's scriptural, if it's in, if it's in direct contrast to what the word of God is saying to you, then by all means stand up. 
But even in the standing up, there's a way that we can do that with honor. There's a way that we can do that where the other person actually feels like, wow, this person's come to me out of reconciliation rather to fix than to break. And what does that look like? That looks like Shane coming to me afterwards and going, oh, Sean, you know what? I actually didn't appreciate that joke that you told about your bum. And he can do it like this. He can come and go, Sean, that is uncalled for. You're a pastor and you should be keeping it clean and you're, you're actually are offending people and you need to sort yourself out. Or it can be, hey, Sean, listen, man, I, I understand like your job is difficult and you're trying to preach and you're trying to bring life and maybe a few laughs. Maybe that thing was a bit inappropriate. What do you think? Who, which one am I going to respond to better? The second one. So we hear it from the front, but then when we live out our lives, we don't do it. We don't do it. You don't do it with your boss. You don't do it with your wife. You don't do it with your kids. And in those times, we're actually setting ourselves up for God to fight against us. And I want to help you not to do that. Let's have a look at how God says we should handle conflict. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Quite a bit of scripture, but once again, this is the model. This is the inoculation. This is the thing that's going to keep you safe and bring you health and put you back in a position where God fights for you. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Don't lie. And speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all body, all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That's key. Do you notice what it says there? It says don't, it never says don't get angry. Because God understands. Jesus walked to earth and he got angry and he turned over tables. He understands the emotion of anger. But what he says is in your anger do not sin. Husbands, wives, have you ever had a quarrel amongst each other and actually at the end of it, it starts getting to the place where you're actually going, you know what, I know I'm going to say this and it's going to hurt, but I'm going to do it. And you give that punch. And as you give it, you know, oof, you know actually that won't hurt you. Because the pain that you've inflicted on your partner is something that's not going to get fixed in a day or two. It's not a simple I'm sorry and we can walk away. So I want to say to you guys, if you get angry, that's okay, it's going to happen. We're not robots. I understand. I'm human mean. I get angry too. Last week, Sunday, you Lundy phoned me and said that they were held up on the, on, the, um, on the beach. And the guy threatens her little Dominique, says, give me your, your stuff or I'll shoot the kid. That makes me angry. I asked what he looked like and I went and drove around because I thought maybe there's an off chance I'll see him. I don't know what I would have done, but I would maybe I've seen him. And I could have called the cops or whatever. That makes me angry. But the outworking of that is do not sin in your anger. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. If you are offended and angry with someone today, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Fix it. Be a man. Be a woman. Stand up. Take responsibility for yourself. Do not do it. Because why? It says because you are giving the devil a foothold. Anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness is doing what? It's in the word. It's not mine. It says, do not go to bed angry and do not give the devil a foothold. We need to be ruthless. 
with anger. We need to be ruthless with unforgiveness. We need to be ruthless with bitterness. It will kill you. It is not your friend. And I understand that many of the people sitting in this room have come through horrible things. Things that I couldn't perhaps understand. And maybe I've been through stuff that you don't understand. And I'm not saying to you this is easy. I'm just saying let's work towards this. Because it's the will of God. Let's go to the next, next one please. He who has been stealing must what? Stop doing it. Stop. But must work on doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Isn't that beautiful? Instead of, what is that actually talking to? What's the theme there? When you steal, who are you stealing for? The evil trinity. Me, myself, and I. So that's actually talking about selfishness. It's saying don't take for you so that you can benefit. It says do something else with your hands so that what? Something to share with those in need. So that when someone who we spoke about just now puts their pride in their pocket and goes, actually, you know what, guys, I have no food to eat. It's the 23rd of the month and I need to get through to the 25th. Can you help me? We've put our hands to something and we can go, sure. There we go. Bless you. Is this, is this lining it? Is this good? I think it makes sense to me. Next one, please. Do not let, ooh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it will benefit those who listen. Wow. Are people benefiting from hearing you talk? yourself no condemnation i'm just asking yourself let's do a self-order today when you people hear you talk do they walk away knowing jesus better and feeling like they've met with him or do they feel like they've met with the devil himself i'm not making choices remember i'm giving you the symptoms you guys are going to self-diagnose that and i'm not pointing fingers at any of you i love all of you intensely and i can see from your faces this is landing hard and i don't want it to i really don't but if God is trying to inoculate us, he's trying to, he's trying to show us something and we need to see. Next one, please. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed in the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. I don't have to go any further. That one says it's, it's self-explanatory. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the model. You want Jesus fighting for you. That's your heart condition. That's where you present yourself. That's how you position yourself. And I promise you, things in your life are going to start to change. Because sometimes we're blaming the devil actually God's fighting against us because we've held on to things that he's asking us to let go of let today be the day my heart's prayer this whole week Lord set your people free set them free let's move on the other thing that it says there is that we treasure friendship with the world and when it's and what it says here is it says it doesn't in that translation but it says um 
that when your friends do not know, that when you're friends with the world, you are at enmity. And that enmity, it means a state or feeling of active opposition. Not passive opposition, active opposition. Which means I am actively moving forward. I'm not standing still. Or hostility. Who's it talking about? Enmity with God. And whoever wishes to be friends with the world is what? Is an enemy of God. Once again, these are not my words. I'm not rooted in frustration. I'm not angry with anybody. And I don't believe that James wrote it that way either. He was a father of the church. He was an apostle to the churches. And he was looking across the churches. And he was saying, guys, if we don't get this thing right, you are not going to get through to your breakthrough. You are not going to move forward in the things of God. And we need to do it. Friendship with the world means that if I had to phone your boss or your colleague or your unsaved friend and tell them that you're a Christian, would they be surprised? I don't know. Does the language you use and the place that you go and the way that you live your life allow people to see Jesus or to see the world? It's a question, a symptom. I would like to say to you that if your life's just not working, if your life is chaos at the moment and your peace, your finances, maybe your health, your relationships with other people and with God, if you are in a place of turmoil, I want to suggest maybe, I'm not saying, but I want to suggest that maybe you've just slipped back into friendship with the world. You've, you've actually just broken up with God a little bit and said, okay, well, that's fine. You could be my side piece, but actually I love the world and I love the things of the world. I like my comfort. I like my good stuff. I like what makes me feel good. And as I wrote this, there was a sense of a yearning in the heart of God for you. If that applies to you, he's saying, come back. Come back to me. I won't share you. I won't share you with the world. And I will fight against you so that you will get to the point where you're on your knees before me and you say, Father, help me. I say, great, I'll help you. But you need to break up. And you need to come back to me. And I, I know that I know that I know that when you position yourself back with God, and maybe this morning is that time, when you position yourself back in the fellowship of believers, when you position yourself back with a, in a loving covenantal relationship with the God of all the earth, those first three scriptures that we read will apply to you 100%. But it's going to take something. And if we look at it in, in the book of Revelation, which is a difficult book, and you won't find many guys teaching on it. But in Revelation 18, verse 4 to 5, there's a voice calling out to the world, and it's talking about Babylon here. And Babylon represents what? Babylon represents the world. It represents something that we are in, but not part of. I'm in the world, but I'm not 
of the wind. And here's what it says. It says, then I heard a voice come from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. God is saying to us as a people, church, friends, he's saying to us, come out of the world, come out. Don't even dip your toe in it. Come out of the world so that you don't share in her sins. Because it actually says there, for her sins are piled up to the heavens. It's a lot. There's a lot in there. And God has what? He's remembered her crimes. God will hold the world accountable for what they're going to do. He's a just and a holy God. He has to do it. If he didn't do it, he wouldn't be just and holy. But he will do it. And I believe that this morning, this message has been brought to us for some to shock us. It's not an angry word. I'm not angry with you. And God is not angry with you. It's not an angry parent that takes their kid for an inoculation. And I don't want to get into the vaccine debate. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an inoculation against a disease that could kill you. Friendship with the world. Coveting quarreling, fighting, and pride is a sickness that's going to kill you, and it'll kill me, and we need to come out of that. Is that okay? Are you guys all right? Okay. So, I want to say to you, can we go back to those first three scriptures again? I want to say to you, this is the, this is the model. This is what I'm hoping will be our condition when we come out of this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what I want for us as a people. The best one. Do not be afraid of them. Who? Anybody. Anything. Any situation. Do not be afraid of it. The Lord your God will fight. Himself will fight for you. And he is a master fighter. And the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight against you and your enemies. So to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. This is, the, this is the goal of today. So what I want us to do is I can't take you into the hole and leave you there. And maybe some of you are feeling like, how do I come out of this place? And I want to tell you how we're going to come out of this place. We're going to come out of this place together. So I want us to it's going to get a bit messy, and that's okay. This is church. This is family. So what I want us to do is to break up into groups of three or four and just get together. And I want us just to pray for each other. And I want us to be in the situation where if something that I've said today, even if it's just one thing, you felt, oh, actually, I've got anger. I've got unforgiveness. There's bitterness in me towards this person. Please don't walk out with that thing. You know, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another out of reverence for Christ so that you can what? You can be healed. That's what I want us to do this morning. So where you are, break up into groups for, for the new visitors. You might not know anybody, so that's fine. You don't necessarily have to con confess anything. Um, you're welcome just to stand and pray. But I want you quickly, get into your groups of four, and just for five minutes, let everybody have a chance. We're going to pray for each other, and the church is actually going to work. You, yeah, you. Let's move.
but um, so I'm standing here and I'm watching all of your faces. And let me tell you, <laughs> before we went to the time of prayer, I think it looked like shock and awe. It was, um, it was something of, whew, what just hit me? Um, and I apologize. Sincerely, guys, if, if in any way the message this morning came through in a way that was ac accusatory or condemning or harsh, I'll ask you to forgive me because that certainly wasn't my intention at all. I really wanted it to be life. And as I look at you now versus how I look at you before, you guys can't see, but I can. And your countenance are lifted. There's tears, there's been repentance. I feel we've broken through something as a congregation this morning. And it comes not because I've preached an anointed word, or it, become, it comes because we've come back into line, I think, with the Lord for some of us. And, um, and I want to celebrate what the Lord has done. And I want to invite Michelle to come up. She's just going to share a short testimony from this week. She actually was in the fight a couple of days ago at our house. Um, and she's got a great story to tell. So I hope this will encourage you. And I hope that it's going to spur us onto something new. I don't know where she's going, but go for it. Good morning, family. I hope and trust that you guys are well. As you can see, I feel knackered this morning. Just a bit of milk. And I actually told Sean this morning, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not going to test, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do this because I'm so tired. Because guys, the fight is real. If you're in it, if you're fighting against us, you know it, the fight is very real. So earlier this week, um, I actually had a power hour, well, a three hour power <laughs> um, session between uh, Chantali and Carla where we were breaking off intense stuff. And as most of you know, if you really know me, I'd, I'd never ask for help. Never. I've always got this. It can be the worst day ever, and I've got this. Hello, pride. <laughs> <laughs> so even though, like Sean was saying, super humble. I'm always there for anybody, everybody. You know it. If you know me, you know that. But yet, I sat with pride. I sat with guilt. I sat with shame. Oh, guys, the laces need so long. I'm telling you, but <laughs> but I can honestly tell you, if I can give you just a little bit of encouragement, stop camping there. Seriously, when I walked out of the house after we prayed and we did the whole shebang, the freedom, guys, I was like, I was tired. I told you, I'm just going to be in the auditorium. But walking out the house, I was like, yes, bring on the comrades. I'm going to do this. I've got this. <laughs> like, seriously, if you're anywhere, if, you have, if Sean has touched on anything and you didn't feel breakthrough today, please reach out to your community leaders or reach out to somebody that you're accountable with and just tell them, listen, this has been highlighted. We need to break this off because, guys, the freedom that you have waiting for you, I cannot explain it. Rara, go. The sun sets free is free indeed. And uh, Revelation says we overcome the enemy with the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb, and we do not love our lives even unto death. So I would hope today that um, some testimonies have come out of this. I pray that um, as you've confessed and as you've brought things to the light and prayed for each other that you have been healed.
and my sincerest prayer this whole week and this morning is that we would be in the position where God is fighting for us and not against us. And you know, if you've left with any kind of condemnation, if there's anything left that you feel is unsurrendered, you don't need other people to do it. You can go before your father and he hears you. And you can tell him. And he will listen. And he says that if you will come and confess your sins, I am righteous and just to forgive you and to remember them no more. So that's my prayer for you. I love you guys. I really do. Chantal and I are not going to be here next weekend. We are in the interest of our own self-care. We've been running incredibly hard over the last while. Um, and in the interest of us loving you guys, well, we need to just take a Sunday off. So we're not going to be there. So from about Friday or so, if you send us a message, I'm sorry, we're not going to hear from us. Speak to your community leaders. Um, and I'll ask you, please, um, this is me being not prideful. Please pray for us. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm still full-time in the workplace. We have three young kids, and I lead a church, and, 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 and. And um, sometimes the weight is incredibly heavy, and the burden is not supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be light. So we're doing this, and I want to ask you this week, if you wouldn't mind, pray for us. Intentionally, pray for us as your leaders, because we need you. Um, we really do, and we love you, and we want to lead you guys into the more of God, and never be someone or a couple or people that are being hamstrung because we are not fit or strong or healthy to move you forward. Is that okay? So bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. And um, I know we've gone a little bit long, so sorry for the visitors, but we try to be faithful to what God is asking us to do each week. So next week will be totally different. So I pray that you've enjoyed it. If you've got any questions, you're very welcome to come and ask. We just bless you guys. Thank you for coming to visit us. For the other visitors as well, lovely to have you with us. Love your scarf, by the way. It looks really nice. Ismay, thanks for coming as well. And uh, bless you guys. Have a blessed week. Guys, if you want to help the guys just to, to sit down because we've run a bit long, please feel free to do so. But love you, bless you, and we will see, we will see you in two weeks' time. Take care.